We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Man, a lot of quotes, a lot of news. Yes, the Nets are keeping us busy, and we love it. The buzz is starting to get back in rhythm. And as always, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. As well, this episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. But Jack, what are we talking about today? All right, we've got plenty of stuff to get to, Nick. We'll start off with the head coaching stuff. Could Jacques Vaughn become Brooklyn's Ty Lue? I'll, I'll throw some quotes at you, but I'll, I'll intrigue to hear uh, what you think. You know, our guy Matt Nankew was jumping into our mentions. Uh, what do you think? I mean, it's really interesting. Like I told you, I haven't really got a, a chance to digest everything quite yet. But just based off the headlines and seeing like the the um, the quotes from Woj and Malika Andrews on the podcast talking about Vaughn and how he has a good chance to land it and how Woj would take him against the field. I mean, 
he's definitely gaining steam. And you mentioned this to me off air. You know, maybe it's a narrative the Nets kind of want to sell because they're getting more comfortable with Vaughn being in that spot and seeing how he fits with all the other players and his leadership quality over this last couple months. It, it's certainly an interesting one. And I'll throw those quotes out there for everyone uh, who hasn't heard the pod. And uh, thank you to Nets Daily for transcribing a little bit for us. Uh, and this is by Malika Andrews, firstly. He genuinely wanted to see, he being Sean Marks, what Jacques could do with the group of guys. But now it becomes convoluted as to what exactly the criteria is for them, what they are evaluating. So that makes it a little hard to know what they'll be evaluating. Uh, before I get to some other ones, Nick, that is a good point because, like you mentioned, Jacques Vaughn isn't going to be coaching KD and Kyrie. And at the end of the day, uh, it's about KD and Kyrie. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of intriguing. I guess, like, Marks must be trying to base a lot of it off how Vaughn interacts with these guys. Maybe Obviously, they're not on the court or practicing or whatever it might be, but there's still communication between KD and Kyrie. And I know there was a quote that we'll probably talk about later, you know, KD still having, like, a loud voice. So, I mean it must just have to do a lot with in terms of like the, the gelling and the chemistry and how he fits with this team and these player personalities, because we haven't seen anything on court other than two games and without the two best players. Uh, and sure. Mark's echoed those sentiments as well. Uh, he sort of said, and I think for us, this has been about how he gets to know the new players continue mm. to develop relationship with relationships with them. Not only the new players, but the existing group. I think we just see what happens down the line. And I guess the big quote that everyone uh, wants to know is what Woj specifically said. And uh, I quote here, while I, know, while I know the Nets are considering the possibility of a search, I would still give Jacques Vaughn, I would take Jacques Vaughn against the field right now. And Malika Andrews responded with absolutely. So, uh, Nick, you and I chatted a little bit off wax, sort of talking about that. Jacques Vaughn is now the favorite it seems yeah which is kind of crazy i mean <clears throat> just a couple weeks ago it felt like he was like fifth on the list and there yeah. was other guys in front of him but i guess you know he's making up traction and he must be doing a good job in terms of like getting everybody together making sure everyone feels comfortable comfortable and also communicating with the team because there's only so much you know sean marks could see obviously he does have the sample size of knowing vaughn for these last four years in Brooklyn, being an assistant coach. And I'm sure they had some relationships elsewhere. Maybe they had ties with the Spurs together, something like that. So, I mean, Marks must feel pretty comfortable with the personality Vaughn has and just the di different characteristics that he has as a person, not as much the basketball stuff. Yeah, I put to you just before we started recording that this is a change of narrative. And I think yeah. that when you want a narrative change in the media, you speak to Woj, you speak to ESPN. And whether that's short Marks, whether that's other people in the front office saying that, you know, obviously, you know, we were sort of salivating after guys like Mike D'Antoni and Greg Popovich. Maybe those guys are clearly off the table now. The other sort of candidates that we sort of alluded to that we were fans of, Phil Handy, Ty Lue, maybe those guys don't want to go to Brooklyn. Maybe Kyrie Irving doesn't want Ty Lue back. Maybe, and he sort of said that and made it very clear to Sean Marks. This is a change of narrative to the coaching search that we probably haven't had for a while. Uh, you know, we could have done episodes and episodes and episodes about each candidate and their validity within the Nets coaching search. You know, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, all these guys. But now it seems to be primarily focused on Jacques Vaughn and whether he can you know, sort of stake his claim and then sort of go, all right, this is my job and I'm keeping it. Or because right now it seems to me that he is 1A and everyone else is 1B, C, D, E, F, and G. Or it could be just the, you know, the idea of setting a narrative that this is a safety net. 
maybe they don't land those guys and maybe the guy they want is Mike D'Antoni and he's not going to be let go by Houston. They're going to work out a deal and they have to end up, I don't want to say settling for Vaughn, but maybe he wasn't their top choice. Now they kind of set this narrative early on. And if they do end up with Vaughn, it looks like they wanted that all along. Yeah. And and I think that that, that looks good on paper as well when you're Jacques Bon, you're seeing, you know, all the big names saying these good things about you, uh, whether obviously behind the scenes, the same things are being uttered, I assume. So, you know, it seems to me he's going to be given every shot. Um, we, we've seen his two-game sample size. You know, we've been relatively happy with that two-game sample size. Obviously, eight games plus playoffs, hopefully, is going to give us a, a larger indication. But again, it's a completely different team. You know, and we'll get to obviously Spencer Dinwiddie and some other guys when it comes to uh, heading to Orlando. But... Nick, one point I wanted to get to uh, via Jacques Vaughn. He spoke to the media yesterday uh, via Zoom as well, Sean Marks, and we'll get to some of that as well. Um, He said that there's no playbook for this moment and he'll be coaching from the cortex. Added that he hasn't seen his family in months since his wife and kids headed to Phoenix because it had fewer COVID-19 cases, but it's now a hotspot. I can't imagine the stress that Jacques Vaughn's going through. And thank you to Brian Lewis for that quote, but um, it's such a crazy time. And for Jacques Vaughn to be having to focus on trying to you know, solidify himself in a, in a new job and, and possibly you know, a future for himself and his family while also worrying about the stresses of the COVID-19 uh, outbreaks in Phoenix, uh, it, it must be unimaginably stressful. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is a career-altering couple months. And like, it seemed like, oh, maybe it's going to be easy. You know, I got this job, interim head coach, you know, I'm coaching for two games. Maybe I can kind of earn it, but no, then COVID happens. It becomes this crazy coaching thing. And then, like you mentioned, he thought he put his family in a safe spot and then they end up having an outbreak over there. So it's like Jock Vaughn's from a stress level is getting pulled in so many different directions. And just talking about the basketball side of it, the one thing I find really interesting is that he is in a a super stressful environment. So that's obviously a test to an extent. And then it's going to be just all about adjustments. Like he can go to Orlando with a set plan, but it's not going to be what the Nets played most of the season because they're missing so many parts. So it's going to be on Vaughn to kind of come up with different ideas to make the team effective or at least maintain competitiveness, missing so many quality players. Yeah, I mean, he's going to earn this job one way or another, and and he's going to certainly put his his uh his 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 foot forward uh, to to make a really good claim uh, for the head coaching job going forward. And you know, there's championship op- opportunities and aspirations within this franchise. And Jacques Vaughn is a championship coach. Who would have thought we would have said it a couple of months ago? But uh, it could be a possibility in the near future. But Nick, the Sean Marks quotes, there were plenty of them. Uh, but the one that sort of kicks things off is. You know, obviously the, the the health news and the Nets were, you know, they have six of their guys in their rotation that aren't going to Orlando. But uh, Sean Marks still thinks that there's a purpose to Orlando. He said, we have a job to do. We have a to bring a team to Orlando. We will bring a team to Orlando. We will go down there and we'll compete. That's our job here. I mean, that's the right thing to say as a GM. You know, it would be easy to say like, oh, well, we're a man down or we're missing some of our best players. We're going to go down there and just see what happens. But this has kind of always been Sean Mark's mentality of like trying to have competitiveness on the court. Even when they were bad teams, when Kenny first took over, they're at least trying to be competitive and keep games close or at least fight back in them. And I think we can expect the same team, the same thing from the team going to Orlando. Like they're not necessarily the most talented bunch heading there, but they will compete and play hard. And I think that'll be another test for Vaughn, you know, trying to get the games to at least be competitive, even when they're outmatched from a talent perspective. And like we said on the previous episode, the, the Nets are competitive. When, it, when the chips are down, you normally see the best version of the Brooklyn Nets. And right now the chips are down and you know, we'll see down. corn. 
We'll certainly get to a bit of corner Karras a, a little bit later. <laughs> but uh, for now as well, uh, the decision to head back to Brooklyn and train at the at HSS Training Center has been you know, certainly criticized by some. Uh, and it's believed that's when Dinwiddie and Jordan said they think they contracted the virus. Uh, the facility was closed for two days this week. Uh, Sean Marx said in regards to that, we took a poll that included players, doctors, performance team, and opted to return to New York. Hindsight, we can say maybe things we would have been different if we'd gone to Orlando early. We discussed that on a couple episodes earlier, Nick, about the decision where they would continue to conduct their mini training camp. They went with Brooklyn. Um, Toronto Raptors decided to go to Orlando early. There's obviously, I think there were nine cases, nine new cases announced today. Um, those names haven't been released, but was it the wrong decision? I mean, it's easy for us to say sitting on our chairs recording a damn podcast, but um, <laughs> the safety of our homes, <laughs> the safety of our homes, quarantine. We know DeAndre Jordan on the last episode, we said DeAndre Jordan's mum didn't seem to be happy with the decision either. Um, was this a decision, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, as as Sean Mark said. I mean, we kind of talked about it saying like we didn't think the city was the best place to go. Like if I thought they were going to have a training camp in New York, they would elect to go outside the city, you know, to like Westchester or even more up north. Uh, I'm not sure that was the best idea, but if they pulled the players and they, and, you know, the rest of the staff and that's what they wanted to do, that's what they wanted to do. And let's not act like they couldn't have got it going to Orlando either. You know what I mean? They could have easily gotten it the same way or they have no idea exactly how they caught it. So they could have got it going to Orlando, going to New York. Obviously, it seems like the risk is higher in New York. But again, it's not like Florida has great numbers right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a very, very, very good point. Uh, but moving on. Uh, he's Nets GM. He said that he didn't think that any more players would opt out. Uh, but if Dinwiddie and others recover, they'd be permitted to fly them down to Orlando. He said they'll be able to join us down the road. We'll be able to get them to Orlando if a couple things happen. One, they say they want to do that. And two, the team says from a scheduling standpoint, it makes sense. The closer we get to July 7, our departure date, and heaven forbid guys keep testing positive, it obviously puts them in jeopardy. Some of these guys are asymptomatic. Others have some slight symptoms. And I don't want to talk for our players, but that's across the board. We have to treat everyone on an individual basis. Uh, it's tricky business being the GM of the team right now. It seems like he leaked that somebody else has coronavirus, to be honest. Yep. yep. Um, obviously, someone intentionally, maybe unintentionally, maybe it's somebody on staff, maybe it's an assistant coach. I guess the only guys we could say at this point that don't have it would probably be like Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, and Garrett Temple, because we all saw recent pictures of them at the training facility. Other than that, I mean, it could be anyone else on the team. So that's a little concerning because if it's like Torian Prince or Rodion's, they're already missing a ton of size. And obviously, you know, it's a risk at their health because we don't know the long-term impacts of, the, of it as well. So kind of scary stuff. Just like a little bit of a quote that has a little spookiness to it. Yeah, it's it's scary stuff in in the current world that we're living in. Who Whoever it is, and obviously to Spencer, you know, we want their health first and foremost. I've reiterated it. We both reiterated on, on previous episodes that we don't really care about these guys playing basketball. We want these guys to have ha happy and healthy lives. And we don't know the ramifications of, of this disease, of this virus. It's goddamn deadly. It's goddamn... It, it, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's unknown in, in so many different ways. So obviously, if Spencer can go, cool. But I want him 100% healthy. And I don't want him experiencing you know any sort of long-term symptoms to go with his lungs and any sort of respiratory sort of issues going there. But uh, it's an interesting one and one that we'll certainly be keeping an eye on. Um, 
There is no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Mark's also said that he's been uh, keeping in touch with uh, Kevin Durant. He said that he seems to be in good spirits. I don't want to speak for him, but he seemed to be in good spirits. He's obviously aware of everything that's going on, whether it's a pandemic, some of the issues going on in society. We've had great conversations about all of that. He continues to be a very loud voice in terms of where we're going in the future, what we're doing, and I involve him like the other players and stuff, and how we'll continue to build this team and how we move going forward. That last part, Nick, is uh, pretty pertinent. Yeah, I feel like it's the... I don't even know if it's just like KD feeling more comfortable with Marks now and having more of like a louder voice or it's just Marks being more public about, you know, KD being more involved in decisions. But I kind of like it from the extent that it seems like KD's to taking ownership of the franchise, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it's his team and he wants to be loud. He wants people to know like what's up and what we need to do. And to me, that's like a positive sign of growth from KD, maybe something we haven't saw in the past. And he feels a little bit more comfortable being that leader after winning those championships in Golden State and feeling like he's the best player in the league. Yeah, I think that I put out on Twitter upon hearing all the Jacques news and I put a dumb spelling mistake as... Uh, Twitter really needs to get that edit feature going. Come on, guys. We, we see all the, the, the retweets with comments and all that sort of stuff. But in saying that, what it says, says to me, Nick, is that Kevin Durant is going to be heavily involved in all the big decisions going forward, whether it's trading for a third superstar, whether it's the head coach. Does he like Jacques Vaughn? Is there another guy out there for KD? You know, it seems to me that in terms of the pecking order, KD is the guy that they want to sort of appease. You know, I think that that makes sense as well. KD is the guy. I, I love Kyrie Irving, but, you know, we're not winning a championship without Kevin Durant out there. Simple as that. So it seems to me that Kevin Durant is going to be heavily involved in the decision-making processes uh, for this offseason, for the head coaching, whatever it might be, roster moves. Uh, and we know that, you know, as a comparison point, maybe this is a, a similarity to what Rob Polinka, how he was involving... LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It seemed to me that every single move that he was making, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James were saying, and this is not necessarily a quote for quote, but they were essentially saying that, you know, Rob was texting us every single time that he was thinking of making a move. Every single time that he was having meetings, he, he would text us afterwards. So whether Marx is as involved in that, whether he's having uh, an independence to, to how he builds this franchise into a championship, a true championship contender, uh, it remains to be seen. But I think that some of these quotes are probably a bit deeper than we've gotten for Sean Marks in the past. Yeah, it's, it feels like almost more open. You know what I mean? Like he's opening up a little bit and kind of letting us have an idea of what's going on behind the scenes a little bit more. And I agree. I think like Katie's going to play a huge impact because at the end of the day, it matters. You know what I mean? If it's yeah. a coach that he doesn't like, like why why would they want to sign him? Or maybe he has a history with this player and they don't get along or there's something about his game he doesn't like. Or maybe there's an underrated player in the league that he's like, oh, I would love to play with this guy. And it's somebody who's acquirable for the Nets. And maybe you didn't think about using him that way. But KD's known him for so long. There's something different about his game, you know. And it's not like we're talking about KD. He's just like this amazing basketball player. Like he's a student of the game and he's always watching basketball, always studying film and tape. So I would trust his opinion on a lot of things. And, and 
you know, pertaining to basketball and other stuff because he just seems like a well-informed guy that likes to do his research. So you're saying Adam Harrington head coach Alonzo Troy is going to be picked up for a max deal in the offseason. That's what you're saying there? I, I like, wouldn't be completely uh, surprised if the Nets did sign Trier. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, as a minimum guy at the end of the bench, especially if they do make one of these trades and they have to, you know, deplete their bench a little bit, I wouldn't rule that out because we saw uh, KD get his guy Quinn Cook signed in Golden State. So, yep, yep. And, you know, I mean, plenty of things will happen and we'll obviously be keeping abreast of those going forward. But uh, Vaughn also had some quotes to say, Nick, that I haven't touched on yet. Uh, and talking about, I guess, uh, the the roster itself and what the team's going to look like on the court. We're still diagnosing that to see what the roster looks like going forward. The build-up to this has not been typical. It will <laughs> not look like previous basketball that we've seen for sure. There's no playbook, no handbook for this scenario. Yeah, I mean, he's right. He could have a different roster or different starting lineup by the time July 31st hits. You know what I mean? There's so many unknowns and and positionally, he's going to be at a disadvantage in so many different ways. Like we talked about on the previous show, you know, lack of big center, power forward, whatever it might be. There's major question marks. And even when you get to the point guard position, you're already missing Kyrie. There's a chance Spencer might not make it. Obviously, we know Karras can kind of fill that role. But then you're depending a lot on Chris Chioza and then a lot of combo guards and Garrett Temple and Tyler Johnson. So Vaughn has probably the toughest coaching job heading to Orlando because he has so many unknowns where at least most of the other guys still at least have their superstars. And when things get bad, you can just throw the ball to your superstar and they're going to clean things up. But the Nets don't have that luxury. Yeah, no team is more depleted than the Brooklyn Nets. So Jacques Vaughn, like I said earlier, is going to be earning his keep. Um, a little tidbit that I thought was interesting as well, Nick, is that Marks added that he and Vaughn have been speaking on average of five or six times a day. I mean, you and I speak pretty regularly, but I don't know if it's five or six times a day. Yeah, maybe during the season, but that kind of yeah. reminds me of the relationship that uh, Marks had with Kenny. You know, they yeah, talked sure. about a lot about, you know, Marks and Kenny interacting. And I remember quotes of being like Kenny laying on like the couch in Marks' office, like either complaining or being happy or whatever it might be, just a lot of emotion. So it's good for them to develop that relationship if Vaughn is going to be the guy. It's super important, honestly. Yeah, he also, uh, Sean Marks and Jacques Vaughn also spoke about Tyler Johnson, and this is via Vaughn. He is a competitor, wants to contribute to the group, and it will be interesting. He's been off the floor for a while, so the challenge of getting him back on an NBA court and accustomed to playing, we look forward to that with him for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty vanilla there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they're giving yeah. him an opportunity pretty much. We're going to try to get him ready for NBA basketball, see what he can do. Maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. We're not really committing a ton to him. That's it. That's it at the end of the day. And um, we'll certainly wait and see the what sort of pertains for him. And there'll probably be some more news as the training camp continues. And then as we get closer to the July 30 date, obviously the Nets aren't playing until August, but still. Uh, and the final one, Nick, is that Sean Marks gave no indication of how soon he's going to add a substitute for Jordan uh, with only Jarrett Allen and maybe Rodon's court, Satorian Prince being able to play <laughs> the five. Um, the Nets are going to need someone. And I mean... It's good because that means we've got another episode going forward that we can just analyze the hell out of a, a Long Island guy or Dragon Bender being named a Brooklyn Net. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point it's got to pretty much be a G League guy unless it's a really young guy in the league. So maybe the Nets are just scouting and they didn't like any of the veterans available. So they just feel like, why not take a flyer on one of these young guys and maybe he could be a guy down the line or somebody we could even acquire for Long Island. Because it's not like they have to just focus on the Long Island Nets. They could look at you know some of the other G League stars. Yeah, that's it at the end of the day. Um, and we'll obviously be keeping abreast of that on the buzz and we'll be analyzing like we did for 20 minutes with Tyler Johnson probably on the next podcast. <laughs> uh, but I guess in relation to Spencer Dinwiddie particularly, Nick, he's 
as a basketball player, incredibly important to, to the Brooklyn Nets' hopes, but also just as a personality and, and, a, and a man in general, person in general, everyone wants this guy to be healthy. And I guess, the do you think, do, do the quotes from Sean Marks, and I'll give it to you, and then I want to hear your thoughts and on whether he will come, whether he won't come. He said, Spencer Dinwiddie is on the travel list uh, right now. His status is up in the air. I hope he decides to come as long as he's uh, COVID negative. I hope players do what's best for them. Everyone has a different set of circumstances. I mentioned that earlier. I mean, is Spencer coming? Is he not coming? It's, uh, I mean, it's anyone's guessing game, but does this quote change or sway you in any sort of way? Uh, not really. I mean, it, it just pretty much means the Nets are leaving it open to the player, which we kind of expect in the first place. And like, I feel like Spencer has kind of shown that he wants to come. So it, it doesn't surprise me that Mark said this. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be hating, but it honestly looks like Mark's has been super stressed just based off how he looks in this Zoom picture. I mean, yeah, the Zoom the Zoom pictures had 10 pounds and had about a million gray hairs. I mean, we've done a couple of <laughs> We've done a couple of Zooms and we record podcasts quite regularly. Some of them video, some of them not video. So, I mean, but let's give it. Let's give Sean Marks a break. It's all he looks you know, stressed, Jack. I'm not saying he looks old. I'm just saying he looks stressed. I mean, we saw Obama, you know, eight years later in <laughs> after being president of the United States. I'm not saying that being uh, GM of the Brooklyn Nets is as hard as being president of the United States, but it certainly has its difficulties. But it does, uh, especially it, during a you know a pandemic. <laughs> Every single person has their trials and tribulations. So uh, shout out to, to the Kiwi goat, Sean Marks. But uh, let's get to some quotes uh, from some of those players, Nick. And we'll start off with uh, the bearded, shaggy-haired goat himself, Joe Harris. And he spoke to, to the media and he said this uh, in relation to making the decision to come down to Orlando. It wasn't like it was a difficult decision for me. I'm healthy. I'm going to play and finish out the season. It's obviously a different situation and circumstance given everything that's going on and the time off that we've had. The way that I look at it is like, all right, we have eight games left. This is the equivalent of game 74 in the regular season. I wouldn't take the last games off of the season just to be ready for free agency, you know. I've been lucky to be in Brooklyn the whole time while we're working out relatively hard where it's not going to be such a shock to the body to turn around and start ramping things up on Orlando and be ready for some of these games. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the response I would expect from Joe Harris. Like, he seems like a guy that's going to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity, super humble. You know, we kind of got this kind of feel when he was playing for Team USA, you know, during the FIBA games and how that meant a lot to him. It feels like it means a lot for him to just, you know, play in the NBA and be a starter. And he's not going to waste an opportunity because he doesn't know how long it'll last. Obviously, looks like Joe's going to have a long career, but, you know, you never want to take anything for granted. Oh, absolutely not. And I'll, I'll add on a, a little tidbit. At the end of the day, I didn't really even think twice about it. So it wasn't like I was really having discussions a lot. As long as I was healthy and feeling comfortable with the situation, I'm going to go down and play. So uh, every player has their own decision. And I guess a lot of people sort of compare Joe's decision to Davis Bertans. Both of them are in a relatively similar situation. Uh, are they both restricted, Nick? I know Joe's restricted. No, Joe's actually unrestricted. They're both unrestricted. The Nets are... Uh, do have Joe's bird rights, bird though, rights. so they can give yeah. him a bigger deal. Um, but I guess, like, the argument would be, though, I feel like Joe's a little bit more established where he's done this for the last few seasons where this is really right. Berton's, like, first pop-off season. So maybe he's, like, more scared. Where, if, like, let's say Joe sprained his ankle and didn't shoot well for the next eight games, I don't think anyone's going to really be like, oh, my God, Joe Harris isn't a great three-point shooter. If Berton's, like, doesn't look as good or something's off about his game, even though he might be hurt the slightest bit, like they might, it might impact his contract where I, I feel like Joe's a little bit of a safer bet to get money unless something, God forbid, like really terrible happened, knock on wood. 
shocked yeah. in, I mean, in my dog I mean, like that. <laughs> I mean, Annie certainly agrees that Joe Harris deserves the biggest contract in the world, as we all do. He better be getting that Supermax. Um, I don't think he can get a Supermax. Obviously, he's not an MVP or an All-NBA. But in relation to that, you know, I, I think Davis Batanz will likely get a, a probably a bigger contract just because of the, the skill set and value he provides at a position. He's a, a genuine four. Uh, so when you, you are a, a tall guy, a wing that can shoot the lights out the way he does, and he does show effort on the defensive end. So does Joe Harris. He's just a little bit smaller shooting guard, small forward range. But in that respect, the one thing that sort of makes me confident about it as well is that he feels totally confident in it and he doesn't have any you know issues with, with his body at all you know he said that he's been working out quite a bit in brooklyn you know so whenever that uh, whenever the training center was open you can guarantee that he was heading down there for individual workouts probably grabbing a coffee uh, with his mask on at the same time you know joe harris is going to be in good shape i expect him to maybe get a haircut but you know i'm a big fan of the shaggy look shaggy joe give me the, the shaggy beard all about it you know none of us can get haircuts these days because it's not necessarily the most safe thing to do but if he's looking good and he's shooting good give it to me yeah, I agree. I mean, it's all, like you said earlier, it's all kind of all about the player. And if they feel comfortable in the situation, if Joe feels comfortable down there, then go for it and play. You know, other guys might not feel comfortable. You know, I, Joe doesn't have any kids, at least I don't know of. So that obviously is a big factor, too. I mean, he has my children, but no one knows about <laughs> that. We're, 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 in the, we're in the process of adopting very, very soon. So but, uh, that's, uh, that's news I wanted to bring up on the buzz. Uh, let's get to Jared Allen, Nick, whose throw is looking extra juicy right now. That throw is out of control. I'm, I'm all about it. And we talked a little bit about him uh, heading to some of the protests and, and how he looked on uh, riding that bike. He's a big man. He's a big, big man. But uh, some quotes from Jared Allen uh, from today. I've made a staple for myself as to what I can do in the NBA. DeAndre's out, as we heard. I wish him the best. I wanted to get healthy and recover well. For me, I've been in this position before. Uh, there is some pressure. I don't want to say I'm the last big standing, as bad as that sounds. Alan said, there is some pressure for me to be able to stay healthy and be able to help the team succeed. Uh, what do you think about Jared Allen? Is he, he seems confident. Yeah, he seems like he's coming for his starting spot back, to be honest. He's like, uh, you know, I've been in this position before. Like, he knows he's been a starter. He knows what he can do. And I feel like, you know, getting benched was probably humbling for him. So now it's an opportunity to kind of prove, like, I know what I can do. I know what I can do at like my best. What's the staples of my game? And I'm going to go do that to a high extent. And I know this team needs me. So I need to be locked in and engaged and I can't be, you know, committing dumb fouls or, you know, taking unnecessary risk or whatever it might be. So, you know, Jared Allen looks like he's locked in and maybe he even like matured a little bit, if that makes sense. I know it's been a, a couple of months, but you know, sometimes crazy events can make you grow up real quick. Uh, that they can. Uh, and further on from those quotes, Nick, it's Disney and the NBA, and this is in relation to the decision. I believe they're going to make the best situation they can. They're going to try and keep us as healthy as possible. I did question myself whether it's worth risking my health, but at the end of the day, I think weighing the options, it's better for me to go. I'm not too concerned about the health portion. Uh, I just need to come out and prove that I'm able to play at this level again. Jared Allen... Certainly a little more hesitant than, than Joe in the decision that he made to head to Orlando. Yeah, obviously a little bit more concerned about the health perspective. And I don't blame him. If I was a player, i do not 100% sure I would go. Obviously, a lot would depend on your team and how you're feeling in that situation. But I think when you look at it from a player, you're probably going to be as safe in the bubble as you would be in like your normal life. Unless you're completely quarantining and staying at home and not doing anything, the NBA is going to take things to like a higher extent. And then obviously you're going to be tested more than you would be on a regular basis. So I feel like that's, that's the argument going for 
you know, a lot of players in, you know, the NBA's case of why they want to still do the bubble. Yeah, and I mean, they've consistently said that it's on a bubble, it's a campus, whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, the coming weeks... It's a net. <laughs> at, it's a, yeah, it's a net. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, we'll certainly see how it all pans out. And obviously, hopefully, the, the number one priority is player and staff safety. But uh, Joe had a few other things to say as well, Nick, that I forgot to get to. Uh, he said of his uh, former college alum, uh, Justin Anderson, and I'm sure Nolan Jensen would be loving to hear this. His sort of MO from the moment he's gotten to the NBA just being a physical presence, and that's able to make a, a difference on the defensive end. Then offensively, crashing the boards, crashing the glass, little intangible stuff, hustle-type plays. He adds all of that, and just a great guy to be around, great guy to have in the locker room. I mean, the decision to add Justin Anderson seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, obviously, he was with the team earlier this year. Joe already had the relationship from college. And, you know, what Joe said is all correct. You know, his physical presence defensively is why he gets minutes on the court and he makes those hustle plays offensively. And I feel like when guys are going to retire, they're going to be fatigued. Like, having to deal with somebody as annoying as Justin Anderson, like, from an offensive perspective and him defending you, not going to be fun. Yeah, and I, I personally think that he could have a more important role than Tyler Johnson because yeah. of the the lack of depth in, in the forward position. Obviously, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's strong, you know, he, he's strong and he's athletic. I think he, out of Toyin Prince, Rodin's Kuritz, and Justin Anderson, you know, athleticism is the number one trait that Justin Anderson have, has above those guys. Not to say that Toyin Prince and Rodion's don't have, you know, athletic qualities, but I think Justin Anderson's number one trait is his strength and athleticism. So if those guys aren't performing, you can certainly see Justin Anderson in person for however many minutes we see. And I think Nolan did write a piece about him and, he was sort of saying that, you know, he, he played 17 minutes and he's written uh, 1,700 words already. So total respect to, to our guy, Nolan Jensen. But a final quote that I wanted to get to, Nick, um, was Joe Harris talking about um, his mother. And when the season paused on March 11, his mother uh, was staying in his apartment receiving medical care for cancer. He said, I was a little worried to be around her given the un uncertainties around corona and how it affects people with compromised immune systems. That was definitely the worst period. Thankfully, she's doing well from a health standpoint right now. Um, prayers up, thoughts and well wishes and all the love in the world to, to Joe Harris and his family and his mother. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100% whatever what you just said, Jack. And then obviously, like, it just, it's just got to be super stressful to deal with that, like, during COVID. You know what I mean? You're so worried about your mom already from a health perspective. And then the chance of her getting treatment and trying to get better, there's a chance that she could get COVID at the hospital or wherever she gets her treatment. So it's, like, extremely concerning. So God bless them. And, and hopefully, you know, the, her, her health standpoint continues to be on the up and up as well as everyone else going through some sort of health issue right now, especially in, in a corona world. It's, it's, it's goddamn crazy. So thoughts and prayers to everyone out there um, and genuine thoughts and prayers, not just uh, fake thoughts and prayers. We're, we're thinking of you guys uh, in, in this time, tough and trying time. But Nick, we're going to get to your boy, Karis, who's spoken enough about my boy. Uh, he's looking like Drew Holiday with them cornrows. Yeah, yo, Karis is ready to cook. He literally just looks like he's ready to drop 25 to 30 in Orlando. Then you had the little gif uh, from the Nets of like Harris with the spin move. Looking pretty, man. I mean, he looks good. He looks locked in, ready to go. And he, I think pretty. I mean, I know I'm a guy who likes to analyze the appearances of these Brooklyn Nets uh, a little bit too much. But that, that gif is something that is just a, a very pretty thing to watch. You know, you've got the, the gorgeous hair, the gorgeous handle, and that gorgeous earring, that little stud. He just looks, 
It just looks like a, a dude. He's it looks sexy. His swag level just kind of just went up. Like oh, for man. COVID, it just like times up, and maybe it's like Karis feeling more uh, confident and comfortable. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it's correlated. Obviously, I'm reaching here, but like <laughs> I I wouldn't be com- opposed to the idea of like someone getting more you know comfortable and confident in the NBA, and then willing to kind of expose themselves a little bit more, just like showcase more of their personality. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, the the, the haircuts of, of some of the Brooklyn Nets players right now. And I don't think anyone came back looking slicker uh, than Karis Avert in that sort of sense. And, you know, LeBron James has certainly been struggling uh, with some of his hair. But <laughs> Karis Avert, whoever did those cornrows, it looks absolutely perfect. Get that headband on as well, my guy. You looked absolutely sensational. And hopefully he can be leading the Brooklyn Nets uh, in ways more than just looking like a goddamn superstar. But did Nick, you see uh, the Instagram post he had when he posted a picture of himself and then the next post was Allen Iverson? I did not see that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty – that's sick. I <laughs> mean, uh, he's got a ways to go before he is AI, one of the absolute legends. And the caption man. was practice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, give, give it to me. Hook it to my veins. But, Nick, a guy that could be used in a trade uh, for Carlos Avert is, is that Bradley Beal. And – we saw Richard Jefferson, a noted member within the Brooklyn Nets organization, Yes Network member, and a guy who has relationships with players around the league, uh, speaking on the jump. And he notes that Beal may be possibly on a contending team next season, implying that he could possibly dealt. Uh, a contending team. Brooklyn Nets are a contending team, Nick Faye. Yeah, they are. And I mean, obviously, RJ might know something. He listens to the rumors. He has an idea. He talks to players like you mentioned. So, I mean, can't rule it out. You know, and even the Nets have looked at different ways to acquire Beal. So we know it's on their radar. Also, he could be acquired by the Denver Nuggets and they'd be a contending team as well. But still, you know, gives you a little bit more hope about if you are a fan of the Nets acquiring that third star. And at the end of the day, Beal is going to be the one who decides it. You know, his agent doesn't think it's going to happen, but Bradley Beal could be like, oh, I like the fact that KD and Kyrie want me. And he has said that before. He did like the fact that he was... And RJ calling my games. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it. who knows? We could see it happen uh, in the near future. But if we get to kick Cornrow Karras, uh, that'd, be, uh, that'd be a lot of fun as well. But Nick, I wanted to end with this because I always prefer to end with uh, the more important stuff rather than the basketball stuff. And the Nets have been doing, obviously, a lot of great work in relation to the Black Lives Matter movement. And Sean Marks and Jacques Vaughn continue to echo those sentiments and and their priorities in the Zoom chat uh, with a lot of the reporters. And I'll, I'll throw some quotes at you. Uh, and this is via Marks. I don't think there's words that can explain how important this is, so I'd be doing it a complete injustice. To be quite frank, it's about time that society in general stands up and the Brooklyn Nets, without a doubt, will be supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Not only now, it's not a fleeting moment. This is something that's here to stay, and I look forward to seeing change. Yeah, I mean, that's just the right thing to say from Sean Marks. Obviously, we think it's genuine, and, you know, the support the Nets are going to show. Obviously, you know, your actions speak louder than words. And continuing the momentum, I think, is an important thing, too. Like like you kind of mentioned, it's like everyone's doing something right now, but are you going to continue, you know, to fight the good fight when things slow down or it's not as big in the media or, you know, we get back to our normal lives? Are you still going to be, like, putting the time and making those actions that result in change? Well, it, the media certainly has been quietening down, but you know, thankfully, you know, we're on a pretty fun platform on Twitter, and it gives us an opportunity to see the things that are happening. And if you are seeing those things, guys, you know, retweet them, quote tweet them, sign those petitions, keep donating. But um, in in relation to to Jacques Vaughn, uh, he said uh, a, a bit more extensive of a quote, and uh, pardon me if I do uh, mess up along the way. A big part of me 
is as an African-American man, a male raising two African-American teenagers. So it starts at my home and my conversations. The challenge I have for this organization is the conversations that we're having aren't one-off. And it's great that this is a continuing conversation. That's where the change and the elevation will happen overall. It's my duty to continue this conversation in our locker room. I think our group is open to conversation and the challenge of growing, and it fits to our whole concept of we really do care about you, not only on the floor. This is an opportunity where I do it in home with my two boys. I'm proud of that. It's a heck of a challenge. And then I've got other guys I've got to do it within the locker room. This is an opportunity, um, and I've got other guys to do it. And uh, sorry, uh, it's not a one-off. Uh, the coaches, and this is in relation to the coaches association. The coaches association will be doing different things throughout the course of time in Orlando, whether it's in unison with some of the things we say together, presentation of thoughts and quotes from each team. I mean, we've seen some, uh, just to touch on that, uh, the, the coach's quote, Nick, uh, we've seen some uh, amazing things from, from the likes of Lloyd Pierce, Dwayne Casey, Alvin Gentry, guys that have been out there protesting, uh, obviously the Atlanta Hawks with, with um, allowing their facility to be used as a, as a voting uh, facility uh, is absolutely awesome. Um, I'm continuing to see constant real change and it's starting with the leadership of, of the NBA with the coaches and such and uh, it makes me proud to be a part of this NBA and I'm really proud to have Jacques Vaughn as my coach and um, th this is something that I expected because he's a man of very high character and to, to hear him say that he wants to continue to do this movement um, and continue the unity within the NBA and the fact that the focus is on these these men as human beings and not as basketball players uh, it's it's music to my ears. Yeah, I mean, it's ideal. Like, this is what you want from your head coach. And obviously, you know, taking a lead in this situation, communicating with his players and doing the right thing and just taking all those strides and, you know, maybe putting a little pressure on the organization to make sure they do the right thing moving forward. So you got to love everything that Vaughn said on, you know, on this topic. Like, this is a huge thing. And I, I couldn't have said anything better than what he said out there and been happier with the response. Absolutely. And um, people that are in more positions of influence than us and we'll certainly be continuing to make those changes. We'll do every little bit we can. We'll highlight on the buzz as much as we possibly can. We'll continue to you know, share tweets, share petitions and continuing to support the Black Lives Matter movement and hopefully everyone else uh, who is listening to the Brooklyn Buzz is as big advocates for it as well. But Nick, it's been a big pod and uh, we haven't even got to the, the center signing that we'll probably get to in the future. So uh, we've got plenty of content to come on the Brooklyn Buzz. 100%. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And you can always find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsreplug.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.